Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. On this episode on the Behind the Mask podcast, we sit down with Hugh Douglas, former All-Pro defensive end from the Philadelphia Eagles. We talk about the HBCU pride with him coming from Central State. We're also going to talk about what is primetime going to do with his new beginning at Jackson State. Last but not least, you know we got to talk about the war stories in between the lines on the football field. Coming up next on the Behind the Mask podcast. Just as we saw from the last podcast, I lost the bet to two-time Reds. So that's why now you need to come back and have redemption for your bet. For game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Let's go behind the mask. Welcome back to another edition of the Behind the Mask podcast. Yes, I am your host, Akio Spikes. Joined alongside by my co-host, better known as the... Your favorite plus-size model, Tucson Reyes, in the building. Two, I, I see what you're doing with the Isaac yes. Hayes hey, shirt over oh, there, bro. Baby, did you see it? You what's, heard? What's the inspiration over there? Baby, you listen, see it? Man. You heard? Black Jesus, man. Got this, this beautiful shirt from Isaac Hayes' daughter in this time. So, you know, representing everything going on. Got to represent Black Jesus right now. Right on, bro. Represent. We all about creating change as the hat. Absolutely. As you see, it may say. But listen, man, another good day for us, though, because we got an all-time favorite coming on the show. Yeah. You know what I mean? So um, before we let – me, let me just tease the crowd a little bit. He's fourth on the all-time sack list for the Philadelphia Eagles. The pride and joy of Central State University, 10-year veteran, and all everything – Man, y'all give it up for my dog, Hugh Douglas. What up, though? What up, though? Hey, what up, I say, congratulations on your nomination for the Hall of Fame, man. You thought hey, I was going to hear about that. Congra- hey, dude, that's a big deal. This is the second time. So you yeah. know what that means? Hey, you're on the radar. You're hey, on the radar. I'm on the radar, and damn it, I'm knocking on the door. So I hope you're listening. <laughs> Let me in. Because yeah. we create yeah. change. Man. Right. Yeah, man. So, hey, shout out to you, too, though, man. Black College Football Hall of Fame. And actually, when you were inducted two years ago, your class was the well, your class was the first part of taking the Black College Football Hall of Fame and bringing it to Kenton. So you, I, I sent you a text. I'm going to ask you, how do you feel? Like, what does it feel like, bro, to be immortalized? No, still, like, every time anybody asks me about the HBCU Hall of Fame, man, I, I get goosebumps. Because when you look at that class of guys, and, and when I walked into that room and saw all those guys, Mel Blunt, Tutal Jones, and guys like that, that were there, man, I, I, I just, like, that alumni group, Harold Carmichael, guys like that, Shaq Harris, you know, man, it, it, it's something that is still surreal to me. And I, I Mel Blunt, you know, just the names that I'm rattling off, like the, the, the foundation for 
the NFL Hall of Fame. You know what I mean? And and, and their contributions and, and the HBCUs that they went to, I mean, man, it's a humbling experience. It really, really is. Definitely. And congratulations, man. You talk about the HBCUs, all the greats such as yourself that have took the HBCU path. Another great dominating the airwaves right now is going to coach at an HBCU. Coach Prime going out of Jackson State University. What you think about that, man? Man, I, another reason to get goosebumps, man. Like, this could be potentially huge for HBCUs to have a player of his caliber that, that goes into that program and, and, and changes the culture. Because that's what we're talking about, a culture change. And for him to, to, to be the face and the charismatic face of an HBCU, and, you know, immediately you think about recruiting. That's what you think about. And the fact that the recruiting grounds at HBCUs has been a little, little sparse, a little, little scarce, over the last couple of seasons for the NFL that is concerned. I mean, you know, as you know, uh, so to have Prime do that, man, I mean, that's huge. You know, before all this COVID hit, mm-hmm. that he was going to be real instrumental in having an HBCU combine. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, he called a lot of us to come in and just try to help and mentor these kids to help them get to the next level. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. And now to see him actually coaching at an HBCU – Man, I'm telling you, it's it's like for anybody who went to HBCU to see him do that. I mean, everybody kind of feels like the sky's the limit. Bro, I think you hit the nail on the head because you talked about recruiting the players, prime being there, and that's going to be a draw. So now he's recruiting his staff. And so do you see this moving forward? Uh, potentially could be a trend as far as former HBCU guys like yourself. I know you tied up busy on 92.9, but do you see this as a trend as guys being able to come back to these HBCUs and give back, especially if they play there? You know what? I, I think, Spice, the biggest issue is going to be, like, to be, be I'm going to keep it 100 with you, the sacrifice. Right on. The, the, the sacrifice. Because, you know, HBCUs, most of them don't have the kind of bread that can, that can hire a head coach or 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 a athletic trainer or somebody that went to the school there that that played in the NFL that is sustainable. I mean, most of these schools are running bare bones. You know, I think back in my school, Central State University, and how you know they had to fire some of their coaching staffs just to make it through because of COVID. You know, some of these schools, these these SEC schools, for example, uh, they got deep pockets and they got they got a strong alumni base. So for them to to pay a little bit more to get you know, a certain coach or something like that. There's no financial issues as far as it's concerned when it comes to those bigger universities. And I think that's going to be the biggest issue is like in order for, for guys such as myself or some, say, for instance, Michael Strahan to go back to Texas Southern or something like that, you have to make it, you, you have to make it worth their while in some cases. And some cases, guys, like you said, are just too busy. Now, when you look at the recruits, do you think the recruits will start to look at this or just look at HBCUs as a viable option over PWIs, knowing that, hey, the funding is not there just simply because the, the better talent goes on to PWIs. But do what do you think about that? I think that it's it's going to be some kids that are going to go for whatever reasons, for, for whatever reasons. They might get, get caught in number crunch. You know, you, you and Tutan know better than I do that at those big schools, like the ones you guys went to, like there's a ton of kids that are there. There's a bunch of Takeo Spikes. It's a bunch of two-time races, but and you have to do your the damnness to separate yourself. So there's going to be a lot of kids 
that aren't going to be built for that kind of, uh, you know, that that tough task. So they're going to, you know, they're going to fall off a little bit and they're going to go to other schools. So there's going to be uh, some runoff there. But at the end of the day, man, when you have the draw of going to a big major school, of playing on television every day, getting getting a new pair of cleats every game, you know what I mean? Eating in the finest, swankiest cafeterias that got the Taco Bells and the Burger Kings and stuff like that. Man, you ain't trying to eat in the calf at the HBCU. You ain't trying to eat no. You ain't trying to eat no black eyed peas and no cornbread. You ain't trying to do that, man. Man, go I mean, across. They, they could just go across the street and just go. Man, get listen. I went to Central State University. The, the you know what they got there? That's a big deal now. What? A gas station. It was in the country. You know what I mean? It like. I, I, I've been through Auburn. I, I've seen Auburn. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, it's it's like you can do. You go to the Walmart. All that is like in walking distance and stuff. Man. <laughs> I mean, you. I mean, it's just convenient. And then you talk about the the rate. Like, let's be real. The ratio of men to women when you're a young man on a college campus, uh, like a big college campus like that, as opposed to HBCU. I mean, it's tough, man. It's gonna be tough. And then you talk about the weight rooms and stuff like that, Takio. I, I've seen schools that get a weight room one year and two years later, they refurbish the whole thing. I'm talking about the weights, the locker rooms and all other stuff. I saw like it was a couple years ago, Oregon, the Oregon Ducks. They got individual TVs in their lockers. Hmm. You know what they got at my school right now? They got the same lockers at Central State that wow. I had when I played there. Well, Oregon be listen. Oregon be on a whole nother level. <laughs> yeah, I, like they on a totally different level with that Nike money. But like, I guess my rebuttal to that is, I want to give credit when credit is due. You starting to see more young kids really stepping up to the plate, and they understand the significance. They ain't going for the glitz and glamour mm-hmm. as much as they want it and they like it. I think they're more so committed to the process of listen. The only way that we're gonna help each other out from the big pictures, being able to commit and devote our time and our talents to this HBCU. Do you see totally it the same agree. way? I totally agree because it's, it, but, but that comes from the parents and that comes from the parents uh, schooling them about HBCUs. You know, I'm proud to say that my son, he's considering going to HBCU and boy, I'm telling you if, if like my daughter went to Alabama state, uh, he's considering going to, to Howard, so they understand the significance of, of, of that. And I tell you what, man, the one thing that going to HBCU taught me is how to, and I know a lot of people don't really believe this, is to how to navigate through through life going to HBCU. Everybody say, oh, you're trying to be segregated, everything like that. No, bro, that, that's not the purpose of HBCUs. We founded HBCUs because y'all didn't want us to go to school with y'all. Like, bottom line, yeah, we founded HBCUs because y'all didn't want us to play football with y'all. And then when y'all found out we could actually play, then y'all start taking us from, from, from the smaller schools and, and making it making you an offer that you couldn't refuse and go to the bigger school. Listen, man, I don't I don't I don't uh look down on anybody who chose to go to a, a bigger school because man, listen, I, I know the perks. I, I've heard about them. I've had friends that played at big schools, I've heard about some of the things that happened in order for guys to go to big schools. No relax. disrespect. I get it. Because you relax. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, it's, a, it's real in these streets. And you know, when you're coming from an impoverished situation, 
And somebody coming in and say, listen, if you come with me, I'm going to make everybody in your in your inner circle's lives better. I'm going to make it better. What you you ain't what look, listen, you can't you can't you can't turn that down, man, because you're talking about for for playing a game that you love and been playing your whole life. You putting your mama in a good situation. You putting your, you putting your whole family in a good situation. You probably putting yourself in a better living space. So, I mean, I'm not mad at you for that. I mean, it's real. It's real out here in the streets and, and, and whether or not people want to admit it. I mean, th- that's just that's that's the biggest issue. That's the biggest problem. Yeah, you're keeping it 100. And obviously, it comes down to resources, as you said. Uh, we're talking the weight rooms. You're talking about the training tables, um, locker rooms, uniforms, different things that a 17 or 18 year old will go to school for. Um, yeah. They re- get recruited by any HBCUs coming out. Um, I wanted to either go to Clark because my cousin went there or Penn State because everybody from New York loved Penn State. But tell me, so what was it for you? Why did you choose an HBCU? You know, it's funny, man. Like initially when I went to Central State, I, I, I didn't actually know it was a black college. I didn't. But my coach kept telling me, he was like, hey, man, they play good football there. Initially, I was being recruited by the Akron Zips. And, and you know, I, I wasn't really that savvy with the recruiting process. So I, I think – Honestly, I waited too long because they wanted me to come visit and I waited too long. And, you know, they don't have so many scholarships. And, you know, they like when guys commit, they go with the guys that have committed to them. So it it was one of those things where it really became, okay, this is probably going to be, you know, the only place I'm going because I waited so long in the game because I did not know what I wanted to do. And when I got there, I was like, wow, like it was it was the best decision that fell in my lap. I can't say I made it because it actually fell in my lap. And I enjoyed every minute, man, because I'm not going to lie, it was a struggle. You know, and I'm talking about eating in the calf and, and, and all the other stuff, not having the, the greatest dorm situation. I remember we used to take the weights from the weight room, the little shabby weight room that we had, and take them in our dorm and, and work out like that. We used to call them penitentiary workouts. A guy would take like a, a 45 and, you know, you pass it around and doing curls and push-ups and stuff. That's yeah, baby. The juggle, the dungeon. Yeah, you know, you know what it is. It's like one of – remember – um. Lee Haney, old Jim, down yeah, there. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. it's kind of like Peter that. Hall. Animal Kingdom, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Animal <Kingdom> like that. <laughs> so what, what do you think the biggest differences are now? Knowing what you know now, what are the biggest differences uh, for the challenges that Coach Prime might face and other people that want to go to HBCUs might face, and how can we go about making it sustainable? Resources. Bottom line, resources. Now, I know that every – like when you talk about the Southerns, uh, the Gremlins and 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 the Howards and stuff like that—they're probably in a, a better situation than most other HBCUs. But that's what it is. It's it's the resources. It's it's the things that you have to 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 bring to the table that that makes it exciting for the kids. Man, I remember playing at Central State, dude. We were wearing ponies. Pony, y'all don't like that's old school. You talking about old school? We were wearing ponies. We had pony cleats, like. <laughs> like you you have to you have to make it appealing to these kids, man. When you talk about going to a program where you have a third jersey, you have uh you know uh different like outfits that you could wear, like your uh your your travel outfit, you know, sweatsuits and things like that. Like I know a lot of people feel like that's not a big deal, but that's a big deal to a kid. That's a big deal to a kid to be wearing the new Nike speed zooms when you're out there playing football or have a variety of shoes that you want to wear, you know what I mean? Or having a weight room or facility that you can go into and work out whenever you get ready or have a key card. You just swipe the key card and go get a workout in. 
it's the resources, man. And, and, and that's the thing. I think that a lot of HBCUs we don't have got great alumni base, yeah. great alumni base. But when you talk about the alumni that have come from some of these uh, other schools that, that run Fortune 500 companies mm-hmm. and they come in and they drop a bunch of bundles on the school yeah. and, and they getting again building his name after them and stuff like that. I mean, man, it, it makes it hard to compete. It makes it hard to compete. But there, there are kids that are going to make that decision because they're going to see through all that, and they're going to they're going to still thrive and they're going to be alive. But that that to me is the biggest issue. That's- well, what it what it sounds like to me is the little things, and yeah. and 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 for me, I think you, me knowing that you are HBCU grad, you came through the pipeline system, and knowing that it's the little things. If you had an opportunity, which you do have on the BTM podcast right now to let people know who's listening, how can we bridge that gap? What would you challenge them to do? Even if you didn't go to an HBCU. I got to give a shout out to, to Tracy Pennywell, man, because Tracy has been a, 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 a maverick in, in, in the HBCU movement. Her and George Lynch, they, they both, they got me on board and we're just trying to basically, man, it's, it's money, you know, cause George was coach, coaching basketball at Clark for a little while. Yep. And it comes down to money. And, and man, it, it, whether or not you went to HBCU, it's about money, it, it, and you have to give give to your favorite HBCU, man. That that's where it starts. It starts with resources. Whether or not you like school, a five dollars, ten dollars, whatever you can give to your HBCU, that's going to help out tremendously. Because uh, it, it doesn't. It's like for for smaller schools like that, it's not going to take a whole lot. It's not going to take a whole lot. You're never going to be on par with with the the uh, the LSU's of the world. And the Alabamas of the world, that that's just they're out of the stratosphere when it comes to stuff like that. That's just the reality of the situation. But you talk about doing some little things, man, and just giving funding for they get they can help pay coaches, get better coaches, you know, get better weight rooms. Even if you know, like say for instance, if you know somebody that has uh, resources as far as uh, weight equipment, you know, try to help them out that way, refurbish equipment. Because like I said, man, a lot of schools they throw away weight equipment every three or four years just to keep their budget high. So if you can, if there's any way that you can help out HBCU, um, sweatsuits, stuff like that, man, stuff to make these kids feel special because that's what it's all about. Think back, think back, fellas. When we were young, getting recruited, you just wanted to feel like you were special. You wanted to be the, you wanted to be the only football player in the world that mattered to coach when you went to school. Oh yeah. Out there, you figured out that wasn't the case, but, <laughs> but, but initially, that's what you want. You want to be, you want to feel special, man. You want to have that that swag. You want to you want to feel like you you are part of something that that's special, and and you could get that if you help out your HBCUs and do that. You you will help your schools out tremendously going forward. I tell you what, when I was a kid, one of the things that made me feel special. Our high school coaches, when we used to travel, they had the classics. So we used to have one back in the Meadowlands at the Giant Stadium, and then we yeah. see one time and saw like FAMU versus versus Hampton and Howard versus TSU. And I ain't gonna lie, bro, I seen them women. I'm a 16, 17 year old kid, man. Bro, I'm let me tell you, ain't nothing like those beautiful women that go black colleges like Jesus, fix it, Jesus. Please recruit me. <laughs> Hey man, listen. I know my weakness, and I'm telling you. When I went and, and, and just being in those classics and seeing those different bands and stuff, yeah, man, man. ain't I nothing like, like those women that go to HBCUs. Fix it, Jesus. 
<laughs> Hugh, I can't even lie to you now. Listen, like my whole family went to HBCU. Shout out to Fort Valley State, baby. Fort Valley. So I used to go, brothers, my aunt, my mom. So I used to go to homecoming all the time. And I was younger, though. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like maybe eight, nine years old. And I really didn't know what I didn't know. So, like, <laughs> we're going to have a lot of little kids out here. So just tell them about the experience, man. Because I'm going to tell you, even though coming from a PWI university, mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you straight up. Like, we used to, I used to relish in the locker room to hear the stories of cats who went to HBCUs and they talk about, listen, man, you don't wake up and just rush and go to class. No, you make sure you got your game right because you don't see this little shawty out there. She don't be looking good. She don't be fine. You don't try to holler. Come on, feel your boy hey, in, man. Let me tell you, we used to have something off of all my Central State graduates out there. You see the Central State helmet, the Marauders. Dude, we used to have something called the Breezeway. Where you go through the Breezeway, Spikes, cats walk through the Breezeway, everybody and their mama like going through class and stuff, transitioning to class. You got to walk through the breezeway, dog. Hey, you know, you know, being a football player, dog, you know, I had to come through with the cutoff shirt on, brother, body looking all tight, whatnot. <laughs> come through with the little, little, little cutoff shirt, be like, what's up? How y'all doing? You know what I mean? But, dude, this was the best because, like, being at Central State, like, the only person that was up there, like, the only people that were up there was the band, like, during football season, like, you know, getting ready to training camp. Yeah. Was the band and yeah. the football team. So the band, they used to tell the band all the time, don't fool with those football players because they ain't no good. They ain't no good. <laughs> and so we would be there so we could, like, we would try to holler at the band members. They wouldn't they would have it. They wouldn't have it. But when freshman orientation came around, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Listen, when them little girls didn't know, bro, you talk about, and then, you know, how like, they would have orientation to breathe <laughs> on one side. So you go through orientation, everybody in the breezeway. We get out of practice, bro. You know, you get out of practice all lathered up, y'all greasy. Hey, come through the field, like, shut up, be like, hey, what's up, y'all? Hey, y'all need some help moving in. <laughs> hey, real talk. Oh, my man. daughter, when my daughter went to Alabama State, the, it was the same scenario, right? So we moving her in, and these little football players, I know the game. I said, little football players across the street looking to see who moving in, right? This little boy was bold enough, Spikes, to roll up on me and say, hey, sir, do you need some help moving your daughter in? I said, oh, my goodness. I said, hold up, dog. You ain't, you ain't slick. I know the game. <laughs> <laughs> and he looked at me right, and I was like, hey, hold up, hold up. <laughs> Y'all can edit that out, that one part out right now. Y'all didn't hear that. Y'all didn't hear that one thing I said. <laughs> hey, man, I was dead ass serious. I was like, hold up, dog. I know the game now. I've been there. Been there, done that. So, no, no, no. But, yeah, man, I mean, dude, it's not like Like, I was on her campus, and I'm looking at the the, the moms dropping off their kids. And I'm like, man, let me go ahead and get up out of here, man. I'm trying to be, you know what I mean, on my – let me go ahead and drop this child off and get on, get back on the road. Get back but, up, and, it, get back and stay focused. Yeah, stay focused, man. You know, you get older, man. You know, the, the sad part about it is – What is it? We still look good as, at our age. But now we just creepy, dog. Like now you at the, you in creepy phase. You know what I mean? You too old to be be acting the way you do, man. You just creepy. So you just gotta go ahead, keep it to yourself, and keep it moving. <laughs>
<laughs> so you got to take them internal L. Oh, yeah, yeah, because you know you get the you know because the the biggest issue that we have is men. I mean, what we you know we still all go to the gym, whatever. Dog, we in our forties, dog. We like like in our early forties, damn near fifty. I'm damn near fifty. You can't be spitting like you used to spit, man. You, you're creepy. You're creepy, dude. You're creepy. So what you got? And the bad part about it, we got to start asking ages now, man. You got to ask how old people are now. Yeah, so I, you just gotta be quiet, <laughs> bro. No, no, that's that's facts, though. That's facts. But look, check this out. You, it was so many memories, though. I hear you. I hear all of the memories. You talk about the game. You talk about being that kid when you were younger. I'm gonna ask you a question. What a lot of people pose to me, and I'm sure it's been asked to you. What's the one thing that you miss about the game the most? Now more than ever, it's important to show your support for your team and your community. Visa and the National Football League know that local businesses help your community move the ball down the field. Small businesses everywhere are overcoming challenges in these new times thanks to teammates like you and Visa. Because when everyone pitches in, Everyone benefits. Being loyal to local businesses ignites growth and supports all of us and our communities. Because they know that where you shop matters, Visa urges you to support local retailers who are making shopping safe and reliable. And remember, tap to pay with the contactless Visa wherever you see the contactless symbol to help support your community. Visa, official partner. Of the NFL, uh, you talking about the NFL game or the college game? Because it's two di- it's two different things right there. See, and, and and that's what I want. This is a HBCU edition, so give me that one first, and then the league. I, I miss, I miss the the uh, I miss playing in the classics. I miss playing the classics, man. I, the classics yeah. is just like any other game, though, right? Just like a regular. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just they just hit different because for us back in the day, see, like, like, kill. No disrespect, you played on TV every weekend. Yeah, like, your, your your squad was on TV every weekend at Auburn. We were on we, we were only on TV on BET. So if it was a big enough class, we were on BET. Oh. So BET for us was a big deal. So it was a TV so, game, basically. Yeah, basically that's what it was. It was a TV game. And and that for us coming from the HBCU, that was a big thing. That was a big thing. Now shout out to the Celebration Bowl, you know, because they've been doing it big here in the city of Atlanta, man. And it's a beautiful thing. But that's the thing I miss. I miss the band. I miss. I mean, the Greek life is big on college campuses, on HBCU campuses. That's the biggest thing, man. Like anytime you go to any classic, the Greek life is the biggest thing that 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 I remember, and and that's the thing that you always revel and cherish. To me, I know I know it's big on, on you guys' campus and everything like that, but it's it hit a little different. It hit a little different at HBCUs. You know, I haven't been to Spellhouse yet because, like we talked about earlier, got to stay focused because that right there, like I got some bros. Shout out to the Sigmas, bro, Five Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated. I got some bros, man. They be calling me every year, talking about, hey man, come down here. I'm like, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> they nah. still in the trap. They they, they, they can't get out. <laughs> Bro, I'm like, no, nah, cause I cause listen, no. Nah, I, I didn't put that I didn't put that beast in the cage. We he gonna he gonna stay there and that but boy I tell you, Lord have mercy, fix it, Jesus. Like that that right there, man, on any any HBCU campus is 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 huge, man. Just the the camaraderie, the 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 family, the family feel and and, and just the brotherhood and the sisterhood for that matter. That, about, I mean that's what I missed. What about from the league? The checks. 
I missed him. <laughs> Damn. Hey, so, hey, come Tuesday, them checks was life changing. My dad, I got a bit of say, you know how them checks used to hit back in the day? They'd be like, yeah. Oh, hey, hey, I'm gonna go ahead and nice went with this one. And I'm gonna put the rest of it back in the plate. You know what I mean? Be like, listen, yeah, I got that whip money. Like, you get that 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 whip money, that gold chain money. And then you're like, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead. Like, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good for the whole. You know, whatever. I'm good. Mm-hmm. But boy, them checks used to be chunky. Hey, and, and it don't even matter how. Like, it matters. But at the end of the day, like, if you had a bad game, you always knew. On that right. damn paycheck Monday, that damn, it's going to make you feel a little bit better. like, damn, that was a bad game. You know what? Life ain't that bad, though. <laughs> <laughs> but you'll get one or two envelopes. You're either going to get that paycheck envelope, that narrow one, or that yeah. You know, FedEx. Yeah. Oh, boy, I tell you, man, that's the thing. But I miss I miss my teammates. I miss being in the locker room. I miss that trash talk, man. You know, out there playing the game, I miss that trash talk. I miss... That victory, going to the club, talking greasy to somebody that, you know what I'm saying? Like, yo, you know what I mean? And, and just just that. I miss that, man. I, and I miss I miss just being around the guys. You know what I mean? It, it, like, you talk about a, 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 a brotherhood. Like, bro, like, you know how, like, playing in college is cool. And, and that you know, we got friends with college. But when you when you've played in the league and – uh like the, the friends that you've made and the guys that you played against, you know how that is, man. That's just different. It's different. And and uh that I miss that. But the good thing about it, I get to chop it up like guys with you and two time every now and then when I get to see y'all. And the beautiful thing about it is like the relationships and the friendships that we have, man, might not see you for years, but you pick up where you left off at every time we see each other. So that 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 right there. Is always a plus. And it's, I think that's one of the dope things about living down here in Atlanta. It's such a large concentration of former players and current players down here. You know, the locker room is always there. We, like you said, we always fellowship, grab something to eat real quick, grab something to drink. And we talked about this story before, but I want you to tell it again. So my rookie year, 2000, I, I remember I was uh, on the sideline. I'm sitting there with the Saints. Uh, I'm backing up Willie Rove, probably arguably one of the greatest left tackles in the history of the league. So I'm definitely not playing at the time. I'm a rookie, you know, I think I've swagged up and everything. But then the Eagles came all down in New Orleans. And I'm on the sideline watching this game, and I see this 53 out there going against Willie Rofe. And one play, he's giving Willie Rofe the business. The next play, Willie Rofe is going at him. And on the sideline, the, the sound was just like thunder, like <laughs> every play. And I'm sitting there like, I don't know if this is for me. Like, I don't know if this is for me. Yo, you, you was out there killing, bro. Like, you know, literally years later, and I told you the story. I'm like, this was a hell of a game, man. What do you remember about going against Willie Rolfe and some of the goats out there? Back oh, man, listen, that you talk about, like, we were talking about it earlier, and I'm like, you know how we play so much football. There are certain things that people will say to you that you don't remember. But I remember that game like it was yesterday. <laughs> like the physical confrontation. Willie Rolfe was out there talking trash. Willie Rolfe about, had me by about three or four inches. He was bigger than me. And I'm going head up with this guy. And, man, who I forgot who who was the guard at the time. But, boy, they started chipping me. Wally Williams. The left guard was Wally Williams. Man, it's one play. It's on video. Yeah. Well, I'm going against Willie. Willie got me beat. 
But dude just came over there. He just gave me a little bit of chicken spice, and I'm on my back, man. But that was that <laughs> all day long. And I'm telling Willie, I'm like, Willie, I ain't no punk, Willie. Yeah. I ain't going nowhere. I was like, you ain't about to take my lunch money. Because I had one cat before when I was in high or well, in college, I should say, that used to punk me like that, and that was Eric Williams. Big E playing for the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, man. He was nasty now. Man, listen, the nastiest dude that I've ever played against. And I told myself, I was like, I ain't never going to let nobody treat me the way Big E treated me at practice. Big E used to take my lunch money at practice every day. What he used to do to you, Coach? Go on and give us some stories since you're giving it to us. Hey, listen, like I get, like I'm, I'm, I'm at Central State. And so, you know how I say the rookies come in, like not the rookies, but the freshmen come in first. Yeah. So I'm killing the freshman class. Can't nobody block me, Spikes. Can't nobody block your boy. So the older people come in, they keep telling me, they didn't call him by his name. They called him Premier. They said, oh, yeah, uh, when Premier come, you know, he going to shut all that shit down. <laughs> Just like that, right? So so they like, yeah, when Premier come, they going to shut all this shit down. So we get to, we get to one-on-one. We Like, they come to practice. You know, he going through practice. And I see him, he got this big-ass Sigma tattoo on his arm, right? He got this black face shield on, right? So everything cool. I'm doing my thing in practice. So he ain't said nothing the whole practice. So I guess they they told him, yeah, man, we got this young, whatever. You got this young buck coming. He think he all that, whatever. So we get ready to go to one-on-ones, right? So they said, yeah, Big E and Hugh, y'all go against each other. So I lined up. He still ain't said nothing. Man, so they, got, they hiked the ball right, Spike. You know, I'm doing my little wiggling stuff. That Negro caught me with both hands. He said, yeah. He said, I'm Big E and I'm Premier. Dog, he had me like, ah! <laughs> like a hundred times. And man, my head, you know how I'm trying to lock him out, right? I try to lock He just headbutted me, man, and threw me on the ground. And then he on me like he was a wrestler. Bruh, my mind, I'm like, what the hell is wrong with this man? This ain't football. This is some WWE shit. Bruh, ever since then, I was done. And I remember Coach Lemmy used to be there. Oh, Big he got your heart. He took your heart. And I was thinking to myself, yeah, and it ain't nothing I could do about it right now. There was nothing I could do about it right now. I was like, I ain't strong enough. I got to get my weight up. So that's when I started going to the gym. That's I was the cat. You talked when I was talking about the story about the cat stealing weights out the weight room? Yeah. I was that cat. <laughs> I was working out because I knew at that point physically – I could not get with him. Like, it was his last year, so he was gone. But I was like, dude, I ain't never going to let nobody do me like that again. So I was out there working on his stuff, and that's kind of, you know, the mentality that I had. So when Willie came and was doing that, Willie's a Hall of Fame tackle. Yeah. but at, and, and Willie had me by about 30 or 40 pounds, but I was like, I ain't no punk. I ain't no punk, and I'm not going out like that. So me and Willie, we going at it, and I'm telling him every play, Willie, I'm here all day. Yeah. I'm here all day, Willie. I ain't going nowhere. So he like, yeah, I see you, big dog. So then they start to the double team and they wearing my ass out, Spikes. Uh-huh. They wearing my ass out. Giving it to you. And Willie was like, you know how Willie talk. Where you at, big dog? Where you at? College? I said, I'm still here, tired as hell. Hey, worn, <laughs> worn out. Hey, like, you see me out there? I'm a bad man. I'm a bad man. <laughs> hey, Spice, at the end of the game, I think we won. I'm on the yeah. ground, right? Yeah. On all fours, I'm blown. Like I'm, I'm done. I'm done. 
And I'm like, to this day, that's probably why I feel the way that I do now, going against cats like that. You talk about him, man. You talk about uh, Chris Samuels was another guy mm-hmm. that was a physical confrontation. Uh, Walter Jones. Yeah, big Walter. Another Jonathan. Oh, man, look. I should be in the damn Hall of Fame for just going up against them motherfuckers all the damn time. I know it. You talk about back in the day, like, like, dude, when when backside tackle, when you had to be a grown ass man, yeah, yeah. by yourself, you was a man on the island. No help, man. Listen, you had to bring it every day, and it was a couple times where I brought a two sandwich lunch pail day, and it wasn't enough. Them cats was no joke, man. And Willie Rowe, he was no joke. Was no joke. Bro, you definitely held your own, bro. Like, yeah. but like for real though, when you look <laughs> back then, the premier tackles, you know, uh, I remember even for for a, a short amount of time, Tony Baselli. Oh, he was, yeah, he was one of those guys who was dominant too. But ain't nothing like uh, Eric Williams though. I remember one time from the Cowboys, the same Eric Williams you're talking about. Yeah. I saw him one time, literally threw a dude down. And then brought out the damn Randy Macho Man elbow. That's what he was doing. Man, and I say, oh, hell no. I, I told listen. the boys in, in the me room. Bro, it ain't no was... business decision. This is a street decision. He do no, like listen. It. I've heard stories that uh, Nate Newton had told me about him when he was with the Dallas Cowboys when he first got there. Dude, Eric Williams had the mentality of a defensive lineman. Like, straight up. He played defensive end in college. I mean, in high school. And they moved him to the tackle. So here's a guy that took joy in humiliating you. Like, that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to he wanted to beat you up physically, and he wanted to humiliate you. He's the only guy that I know of that has ever given Reggie White fits. Like, he's given Reggie White fits. Go back and look at the film of him and Reggie White going at it. Mm-hmm. He's talking trash to Reggie White so much. That Reggie was upset. He was frustrated. I, I've never seen you. We know who you know who the minister of defense is and how he used to violate folks. Yeah. He's the only cat I know in the history of the game to give Reggie White fits. And, and dude, I remember when I had a chance to play against him when he was at Dallas. He was playing on the other side though. But you best damn believe every play I knew where he was at. <laughs> he was hunting. He was looking for me. He was looking for me, and I'm looking around. Hey, like, hey, I had grown. Hey, I, I was a grown man, but still, I never told him the And I was like, "Listen, I ain't. I don't, hey, I don't want none of that. You trying to give out, bro? So I'm, I got my head on the swivel. Yeah. And it was a place. He's like, I almost had you, big fella. I'm like, I'm not playing them games no more. Oh man. Hey, bro. When, so going back, when you were with the Eagles, dog, and like. You definitely was a mainstay and, and one of the premier players, pass rushers that we've had in our game. Like, I've always been a fan of the game and been a fan of yours. But now looking at the current day Eagles now, like, what are your thoughts on this? Just such a disappointing start for right now. You know what, man? I was looking at a stat where I forgot what year it was. I want to say uh, <laughs> 02, 03, or, no, maybe it was 01. When Eagles started off 0-2 under Andy Reid. Uh, and one of the teams they lost to was the Patriots. And they w- and they ended up going to the playoffs, and they were 14-2. I mean, it, it, it's hard to make it to the playoffs with an 0-2 start, but it can happen. You know, you talk about the player Carson Wentz. He hasn't thrown over 300 yards in the first game. I think he threw only two touchdowns. I know he's taking a lot of heat. I mean, man, uh, 
You got to fight through it. You have to be able to fight through that. It's unfortunate. You know, you know the, the tough part about being an a, a analyst on 92-90 game and, and being a former player? What is, is that? that? Is that we, I'm straddling the fence between being a former player <clears throat> and, and being a man of the people. And, and you know, I, I interact with a lot of people on Twitter that are diehard Falcons fans. You know, being here in Atlanta, you know, we get a chance to interact with Falcons fans on a regular. And, and, and you know, with that being said, to see the, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the disappointment on their face when they see the way the team is playing and things of that nature, I mean, it's tough. So, basically, I, I know how it is to be in a locker room and, 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 and be a, have a tough start, but you got you to gotta hold tight. But also, I know how it is to be a fan supporting the team, and they're frustrating you to death. Yeah. And the Falcons, man, you talked about them having a tough start as well. Um, they bought in really last year with the draft. Obviously, Julio Jones still a premier receiver in the league. Now they got Gurley in free agency. The Falcons, you would think on paper, they're supposed to be so successful offensively. Some keys on defense are added as well. Do you think Arthur Blank made the right decision in keeping the coaching staff? You know what? That's a good question, man. And that's the one that a lot of people feel like that wasn't the case. I'll say this. And 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 Spice, you, I don't know if you agree with me or not, but my thing is this. Anytime you put up 39 points, you're supposed to win that game. Because as a defender, they got a little that on the little whiteboard. 17 points was the most you were supposed to give up during the game. That's it. 17 points under 100 yards rushing. And I forgot what the passing yards was, but it wasn't, it was under 300, I think. But the bottom line is this. If, if, if I give you 39 points, damn it, as a defender, if I give up 40, I ain't do my job. Like, I know Dirk Cotter talk about how they left, like, 12 points <laughs> on the field and things like that. No, as a defender, 17 points under 100 yards rushing. Now, I don't know what the Cowboys – I don't know what their rushing numbers are right off the top of my head, but Dak rushed for a couple. He I, rushed for a couple. Oh, and I, Zeke, Zeke was out there manhandling fools. He was out there manhandling fools. Oh yeah, he 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 gave it to Casey on the goal line too. Yeah, I, damn, I, I I felt like I felt that one, but <laughs> hey, like I said, hey, he brought all he had in his pants, dog. Hey, listen, he better put some rocks in his pocket because boy, you you go up in the hole against a running back of that caliber. Come on, man, you got to you got to drop anchor. You got to drop that thing. You you put the weight in there that you took from the locker room. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, but as bad as it may be, though, and I'm, I've always have I have an optimistic eye. That that previous the the second game that they lost against the Cowboys, not the Cowboys, but uh, was it the Cowboys? Yeah, the, the second, second game. game. Yeah, 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 the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. when you look at that, like they didn't even the cow like the, offensively they didn't even turn the ball over, and so no. that's what makes it even harder to swallow. Spikes, I'm I'm watching the game right, and uh, you know I I watch it differently, and like you probably do. I watch for momentum swings. Yep. And, and, and I'm texting Randy Mack right because they started off spikes. They blitz. They they blitz. They were able to get pressure. They knocked the ball out a couple times. They got like two turnovers. They had the they, the ball was knocked out their hands like four times. They got two of them. So I'm watching Randy Mack right. I'm, I mean I'm texting man Randy Mack. And I said, I said, Mac, I said, just to note, just to see if I'm watching it right. 
I said they spread them out and they stopped blitz. They they took them out of the blitz. They like you, you know when you spread you out, they they made it hard for you to blitz. Yeah. So now you got to get pressure with four. And I'm like they're having trouble getting pressure with four because they started moving Grady around. I saw him play defensive end sometime. You know he moved from left tackle to right tackle. They were trying to create matchups, but they weren't having success doing that. So then you know how it goes, spikes when they start chipping away mm-hmm. at that defense. When you're going like you third and five, and then they convert for that first down, you're like, oh, shit. And then that five-play drive turned into a 12-play drive. Oh, and you're like – and you huffing and puffing, and you trying to you trying to suck it up, and then you're in the huddle talking about, hey, man, somebody got to make a play. Somebody got to make a play. Somebody got to step up. And, man and, – and I started to see that, and I'm like, man, come on. Now I'm watching the game differently. I'm watching – like you know how you on a bucking bull and you yeah. just trying to hold on you you trying to hold oh, on no. time run out you just trying to get the time run out that's what it looked like that's what it looked like man and and if you call yourself a, a, a playoff caliber team and a dynamic defense you can't have that you can't you can't be that kind of defense can't do it so what they what they need to do to turn it around because like like two said I mean you look defensively and that seems to be the biggest problem what they're having. Uh, making adjustments and then being able to make plays with the playmakers that they have, like what else can they do? Man, that's a tough one, man. I look, I look at it and I'm like, uh, it's clear, like they're not a blitzing team. They're not primarily a blitzing team. So to sit there and say, and people say, why don't they blitz more? Well, I think a lot of times in order to stop them from blitzing, the the, the formation takes care of that. Because, you know, you're going three and four receivers, you can't blitz. So now you have to be able to win your one-on-one matchups. You have to be able to do that. I think Tag getting hurt, that hurt them a lot, you know, because he's a guy that looked like he was getting out to a, 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 a good start. That groin injury spikes, I don't I don't know how, how well he's going to be able to play with that. I, I don't know. Dante Fowler was brought in to put pressure on the quarterback. You got to win your one-on-one battles up front, man. You got to. You talk about like think about it like this. Uh, Dallas Cowboys played the Rams the week before, and we've all seen the highlights of Aaron Donald out there just violating everybody. Played you too. Like, <laughs> damn. You have to have that guy. Grady Jarrett's that guy, but I saw a lot of times where he was getting double teamed, triple teamed. Sometimes he was getting he got he got nullified. Somebody else got to step up, man. If they got three dudes blocking one guy, I ain't no mathematician, but damn it, it's three other cats out there got one-on-one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and it's somebody out there that's blocking somebody that's too small to be blocking his ass in the first place. So somebody got to win. Somebody got to win. And and they're not winning a lot of those, man. They're not. You see, I, and the thing that frustrates, frustrates me about some of these pass rushers, and you see it, Guys that run up the field and run around the corner and the quarterback step up and they think they bringing heat. No, that ain't heat. The quarterback <laughs> drop back 70 and step up too. That's offense. That's the way the offense is designed. You step up too because you know that fool going to be running around the corner. Yeah. He gonna, you're going to show him a little flash and then you're going to step your butt up in the pocket. Dudes, they don't press the pocket enough for me. They don't. Like, you got to be able to be physical. Like, like a lot of the pass rushers nowadays – they're afraid to be physical. Like you gotta like offensive linemen, mm-hmm. they sat on an angle. They they're 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 a time, their time offense is timing. 
Mm-hmm. So when he said he's counting in his head how many steps he's going to step back before you engage. Okay, I got three or four steps before he engages. Damn it, take away that cushion. One, two, bam, he's in my chest. Oh, my God, what am I going to do? He's messing up my time. That's what you got to do. And a lot of these young cats, man, they don't do that. They're afraid to engage. They think that, you know, you get around the corner and you see the quarterback, oh, I'm bringing heat. You ain't bringing no heat, dog. You ain't doing nothing. You're running you a that. circle. That's what, that's what it is. You're running the circle. You're running the circle. You're talking about uh, decreasing that space. That's what you used to do when you used to jump off the ball. You were one of the only defensive ends that would line up in a four-point stance and like just pounce off the ball, explode off the ball, yeah. decrease yeah. the space so the tackle could not block. You couldn't get his set, his feet right, and his hands right, his timing right to get his hands yeah. right. And that's why you, I think you were so uh, successful when you played. You talk about yeah, you, you know what I found out too is that like the one thing that a defensive end wants is a two-way go. Like if I got a two-way go, then I can do whatever I want to do. Right. And, and you're looking at it like your your primary job is to protect the outside. And, and the way that you set, you protect it, but you can also jump back inside because I'm running that loop. But when I jump into you and shorten that space, you got to set. Mm-hmm. And you got to make it – you don't know where I'm going, so you got to – you really got to guess. So mm-hmm. if I jump into you and jump inside, you're not prepared. You can't shift all that body weight to, yeah. to do what I'm about to do because I'm already hopping and I'm going. And, and, and dudes don't do that. They come off the ball screaming. Dude, you very rarely are going to beat a tackle. Like, it, they're too good. You're going you're gonna to very rarely beat a tackle with pure speed. You're, you're not. You're not going to do that. You have to be able to, to shorten that, shorten their stance and, be, and have to engage. You got to get physical and then work off that physicality. You got to get your hands on them, and you got to try to time up that punch because a lot of guys that when they come off fast like that, Offensive lineman punched the hell out you, and you've seen it. Guys get knocked off because you're not that big, or you see guys that run the hoop and the tackle's on their back, and they just push them out the way. You've got to be able to close that gap, man, and you've got to be able to, to have a two-way go, and you got to always keep them guessing. And who are some of the pass rushers that you see in today's game that are physical and grab the quarterback? Ooh, uh, bruh, that J.J. Watt kid. I'm talking about, like, J.J. Watt. We just talked about Aaron Donald, Khalil Mack. You know, and you talk about the guys that use their size and their speed to their advantage. I've seen Khalil Mack do a lot of times. He gets his hands on that tackle because he got long arms with his speed, and he just gets around the corner. Chase Young, man, listen. Oh, the Bosa boys, I, I don't like their politics, but I like the game. Like, those two cats right there can play. It's about they, – they understand the defensive end spot, and then you look at how they're able to – get punched and, and fight through that and still be able to work their moves and work their technique and get to the quarterback. So those are some of the guys that kind of jump out to me, man, right away. Don't forget Glad, don't, don't forget about that, that Chandler Jones in Arizona now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, man, I'm telling you, these young cats not. But see, that, that those are the ones, though, Spikes, the ones that understand what the offensive lineman is trying to do to them because you got to make them flash hands. Like if, they, mm-hmm. like if he sits back with his hands and you're running around the corner – you're he he ain't working. He ain't working because he ain't worried about you engaging. But when you start to engage and you catch them hands, if he fire them hands and you catch them and you hit him with that that windshield wipe that wipe on and wax off, that's your move. I'm giving you one of secrets, man. But yeah, that's what you got to do, man. You you got to engage. You got to you got to uh and you got to uh invade that comfort zone for them. 
in order to even have a chance to get to the quarterback. Because the quarterback's stepping up. Even if you jump inside, quarterback is programmed. Most good quarterbacks, they're not looking at the rush because they trust their guys. Mm-hmm. They're stepping up. They might see a hand or some flail, but they're looking downfield. Now, if you start to, to push that, that, that tackle into his lap and, and the first thing you know when he's trying to follow through and that tackle right there for him, he's like, damn, dog, what's going on? <laughs> now you got something cooking. Yeah. You might not get there, but now you got something cooking. You in because the kitchen cooking. Are, yeah, because when he starts seeing that tackle back in his hip and he's like, damn, what, what's going on? Now he can't look down the field because he's worried about whether or not you over there get your ass yeah, kicked. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Cause he like, damn, it's so. And, and I used to tell him, it's only a matter of time before I get to your ass. Cause he, that dude I'm going against, he's having a rough day. He's having a rough day. So it's only a matter of time before I get to you. You tell me all the time, Spike. You tell that all the time. Hey, talk greasy to him. Hey, hey that's what you gotta do. Hey, you gotta talk greasy to him. Bro, hey, uh, real quick, though, I gotta tell you one story about talking greasy to somebody. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know, Brad Hopkins, right? B Hop. Oh, he's just nasty. Man, one time, steaming there, rest in peace. I'm talking greasy to be hot. Talking greasy, Tennessee Titans. I I messed around and I called B Hop a bitch. I called him, I said, You my bitch. And went they he was like, What? Why are you calling a bitch? Bruh. They went on a 13 play drive. Oh Lord. <laughs> Bruh. Gassed. B hop. Who you, who you calling a bitch? You fuck that. Come on, man. Listen, you talk about a momentum changer, bruh. They came down and scored and won that game. I was like, you know what? All right, this certain cats you can't talk shit to, dog. <laughs> and B Hop was one of them. <laughs> B Hop was nasty, bro. Hey, B Hop, hey, B Hop, dog. B Hop, hey, should have talked shit to him. He he had some nasty in him, though, bro. He was a beast. He was yeah. a beast. Oh, no doubt, bro. Listen, man, before we let you get out of here. We got to go to our fan forum. You know, our fans like to send questions. Big fan of yours. This this question is from Philly Philly TP. And the question they have is, when you watch the Eagles now, what advice would you give to the young d lineman? Man, enjoy it. I mean, you're playing in a great town, great city, great football team. They won the Super Bowl. The ones that are there now, the ones that won the Super Bowl, I mean, man, you you – You'll be forever loved in the city of Philadelphia for that. So, man, enjoy it. You know, if you can, plant roots there. You know, if I wasn't here in the A, kicking it with you fellas, I'd probably be back up there in Philly. Great time to play it, man. Great football town. Love Philadelphia. Enjoy it. Right on, bro. Well, Y'all got me, I got me up in here sweating. I, I know you hey, got a good you, know, you, you might need to go out there on the field. What's you know, up? Hey, man? Hey, no, I ain't, about, hey, Spike, I ain't about to tell that lie. I ain't got it. I ain't. <laughs> <laughs> hey, bro, man, we appreciate the time, fam. Appreciate you, man. Thanks appreciate it. Yeah. He on the BTM. He's official now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on this week's edition of the Behind the Mask podcast, where we caught up with former Philadelphia Eagles and New York Jet Hugh Douglas. Make sure you watch us on YouTube, subscribe, like, and leave us a comment. You can also follow us on all social media platforms at the BTM Podcast. We have more exciting guests coming up in the following weeks, so submit your questions. And remember, on the Behind the Mask podcast, there's only one rule. There are no rules. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. 
Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.